1: Welcome to the Cover Three Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover Three Podcast.
0: And welcome back to the Cover Three Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Barton Simmons. He's coming to us live from the. Louisiana-Mississippi All-American Game. Alabama. Alabama-Mississippi All game. All-Star Game. Um, and then that's Tom Fernelli. He is uh, at home in Chicago, but we've got a lot to get to. I also want to hit you with something that you might not be prepared for Barton, but what's, what's been the highlight so far as you are, as you're down there, if you follow Barton on Twitter at Barton Simmons, he's been giving you some cut ups with early signing period coming up. A lot of these guys, I know we've got some fans that listen to the podcast that are interested in some of the players from uh, Alabama and Mississippi that are in this all-star game. How things been so far?
2: Uh, it's just nasty, rainy. This is this this is the time of year where I catch a cold because I'm always outside watching all star events in 42 degree weather with a little bit of rain and a lot of wind, and uh, so it's kind of one of those days in, in beautiful Hattiesburg, um, but uh, but no, so far so good. Some good players out here. Um, a lot of Mississippi State commits. Few old miscommits um, and uh, nothing dramatic to report yet, but uh, uh, good talent.
0: So, Tom, it, well, go ahead, Tom.
1: If, I was gonna say if it makes you feel any better, like the high here in Chicago today was like 24 after it was like 50 yesterday. So,
2: yeah, but were you outside? Yeah, were you sitting safely in your in your your den.
1: I was outside getting a tan. I mean, I said it was 24. It's, <laughs> <great> weather. <laughs>
0: yeah we've we've seen uh we we've seen the basement we got we got a little peek that one time at, at the full where where the numbers are crunched okay so barton as you were down there i don't know if you've uh, seen these recent reports are there any lsu defensive players at the all-star game
2: uh no there's LSU recruiting um a few but uh None, the, the report started surfacing that you're alluding to, I think, um, after practice, and I never really got a chance to, to discuss. But is, is, this, is, Dave, is the Dave Aranda, the UNLV stuff, really picking up steam?
0: When Bruce Feldman's coming out and saying it could be sorted out as early as within the next 24 hours, I, I'm not uh, – I at least believe it's serious. I mean, what about you, Tom?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I saw there were like – I think Rittenberg – mentioned something about it earlier and I was kind of like huh that because it seemed weird to me and then yeah like Feldman just kind of tweeted it as we were about to start recording so it, it definitely seems to be some momentum heading that way
2: so I, I talked to someone that um, had a little bit of knowledge of that of that process that search and that um, and th- that UNLV job is I think surprisingly appealing uh, because they, they're getting these sort of brand new facilities. Their yep. stadium is, I guess, the new Raiders stadium. Their athletic director is uh, a really sharp woman who is determined and committed to putting a lot of resources into that program. And so, you know, it, it, I mean, Dave Aranda is like a $2.5 million coordinator. I think he is – if he's not the highest paid defensive coordinator in the country, he's top three. And – so it might be a little surprising that he would jump for a program like that, but according to, I mean, it it, it appears from the people I've talked to that that UNLV gig is much more um, impressive when you sort of look under the hood and uh, and and get close to it. See, it just feels weird, though.
0: No, 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 no. I've I've got a different theory. It's it's an, I'm glad I'm glad to hear that because that probably makes sense, Bart. And I've heard the same thing about the stadium, the facilities, and the idea that there could be some intrigue there. You factor in the um, the personality aspects of Dave Aranda, someone who I don't know personally, but a lot of counts just say he's a little bit just a different dude, just not not going to be driven by the same motivations that we might assume or come to expect from a uh, a college football assistant. See, my theory is that Dave Aranda has spent this whole season trying to keep a defense together opposite of this new Joe Brady, Steve Wingsminger, wide-open offense. And Dave Aranda's like, forget this. I don't want to be the defensive coordinator that's going to get fired because no defense is going to be able – to, to put up any kind of good numbers when you're playing opposite of an offense whose average touchdown drive is under three minutes. That, yes, there might be some aspect of this that is that UNLV is an intriguing position, but if Dave Aranda is looking at his own career and considering those moments when a boat comes to harbor – and it's like, hey, you can be a head coach. Like, this is an opportunity. Do you want we can go on to the next harbor, or you can come get on this boat that after a full season of trying to lead a defense that even with superstar NFL players on it was giving up a lot of yards and a lot of points that Dave Aranda might be like, you know what? If I especially with my price tag right now if I can go get a real big financial commitment and get to build something from the ground up, uh, I don't know if I'll get that kind of opportunity again, that the LSU offense has uh, led Dave Aranda towards seeking a head coaching opportunity.
2: Well, I, that, that, that's a, a respectable theory. And I think there's probably something to that maybe, but I, I also think, look, if you want to be a head coach and if, I mean, ultimately, Dave Aranda, if he wants to be a head coach, I mean, he's priced himself out of like a lot of jobs uh, as, as the LSU defensive coordinator. So you're just going to have to take a pay cut at some point if you want to make that leap. And I I mean, these guys, how much money does Dave Aranda really spend? Like what's the Dave Aranda? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I don't think Dave Aranda is out like flossing in a, I don't know what the, 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 the hot rapper car is these days, but like, that ain't what Dave Aranda is, is spending his money on. He's getting he's getting meals at the university. He's wearing secu- uh, uh, school issued gear, and he's watching film eighteen hours a day. Like it's okay. Like, like Dave Aranda's going to be all right, making one and a half million dollars next year. Uh, so there's that element, and I also think like the, the the knock on Dave Aranda as a head coach is he is this like very cerebral. Um, uh, sort of understated, not 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 a very flashy guy from a personality standpoint. Like, is he going to be a guy that commands the room and recruits at a high level as a head coach? I, I think in some ways, like the contrast of his very cerebral personality to the flash and glitz of UNLV in Las Vegas could actually be the perfect yin and yang to sort of balance each other out. And, uh, you know, he could he could be that reassuring voice to the parents sending their kids to the Vegas strip. And he could, you know, for the kids that aren't as gassed up about the, uh, you know, the, the official visit, not being lit enough or whatever, like they still got the Vegas strip to, to, to fire them up. So in some ways, like if this Dave Aranda thing plays out, I think it's it kind of makes some sense.
1: I just, I mean, raise your hand. If you'd have thought that the head coaching job, Dave Aranda would leave LSU for one day would be you <laughs>
2: Not, not me.
0: <laughs>
1: Right. That that's what I mean when I say it's it just it feels strange because it's like this is a guy who, you know, the the star, the rising star coordinator. He's a guy who's been on those lists you see every year of coordinators ready to make the leap to a head coaching position. And I you thought it would be a power five gig, but I mean maybe the UNLV job. Everything that he wants is going to be there, and it's going to be something that works really well for him. I mean, he does have some experience in that portion of the country, so. You know, maybe he's got some ties in there. You know, California, he's been at Utah State, he's been at Hawaii. So maybe it can work for him. It's just I didn't think he would be UNLV. (laughs) I thought he would end up being somebody that went to an SEC gig. But I guess now, you know, it's everybody's hiring offensive guys in the SEC now, too. So even Aranda can't find a job there.
0: I guess. Um, okay, so we've got uh, a lot of headlines to, to get to here. Uh, we also have an Army-Navy game coming up on CBS. You can stream it on Cbsports.com or on the CBS Sports mobile app. Uh, it'll be available kickoffs at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Tom, what do we do when Army-Navy play each other?
1: We, we take the under
0: blindly and it's at 40. How are you going to put a four on that number and have me not like you can't scare <laughs> me away at 40. This game is going to be 17 to 14. Uh, So I'm also taking Army. Is that that's a scary proposition given the way the Army's defense has played this year. And the fact that Navy's ground game is averaging about over six yards per carry. But I'm still taking the points. It's a gentlemanly game. I'm going to take the double digit underdog in the under.
1: For what it's worth, last year the total was 38.5, but something to consider. I'm with you. I will take Army and, and the under, but Vegas is kind of catching on a little bit because, like I said, last year the total was 38.5, but before that, going back you know, in time, the totals were 44, 47.5, 51, 55 and a
0: half what that is ludicrous 49 and
1: a half (laughs) 55 and a half again so you see it's like the total in the last two years has dropped about 10 points from where they used to set the total for this game so it's like when it's opening at like 42 or 43 i think is where it opened at some places i got it at 42 and now it's down to 40 41 and a half i just it's it's, they're getting a little, it's getting a little, you know, there's, there's not as much room for error anymore. You think Vegas is
2: listening to the pod, huh?
1: Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think that is definitely me. I ruined it. They didn't notice <laughs> on their own. It's clearly me.
2: Yeah, an
0: 80% clip of unders hitting since 2005. It wasn't until Tom was added to the locks jingle that they really <laughs> picked up on it.
1: There's somebody who was like, oh, oh, oh my God. How did I not see this,
0: uh, Barton? Do you have any any plays or feels on Army Navy?
2: No, just based on purely principle, uh, a nearly what a two score underdog in this game. I'm happy to take that. So uh, I not, I'm not not dug into the into the game. I'm not my, my research staff has not uh, given me its full report yet, but my my hunch would certainly be uh, playing Army in this one.
0: And how about the Jeff Munkin angle in the fact that, in if Army season goes differently and goes more like the last couple, where, you know, Army's won the last three in this series. And then obviously last year, uh, 10 win team, you know, Jeff Munkin was somebody that we joked about on the uh, before Lovey Smith found the power in his beard and Illinois turned everything around, knocked off Wisconsin, got themselves to a bowl game. Uh, and they're going to cover against Cal. Shout out to the Illini. I Ooh. like we were talking about Jeff Munkin as a potential target for a Power Five head coaching job. N- now that this game does not come with the extra storyline of is Jeff Munkin gone? Is Jeff Munkin going to leave? I and Army football's been a weird proposition this year. I don't I don't know how I'm how I'm sitting on the black knights right now.
1: Yeah, I mean they they haven't been the team we've seen the last few years, but I just think that. I mean, Munkin's name was coming up for the Mizzou search.
2: And that's why the Mizzou search had to pivot to Sam Pittman. (laughs) The the Mizzou brass did not like that Jeff Munkin's name was coming up in Mizzou search. Yeah, but
1: I mean, they're they're not the same team they have been in recent years. And I think Navy bounced back and, you know, Malcolm Perry's made a huge difference for Navy. The season he's had, it. just him alone, he's pretty much made Navy a much better football team because he's more, he, he he brings a passing element that they've really lacked for a long time. So I think this game's going to be interesting. I think that Army is it's weird because it's. I don't want to say lack of talent because it's not like any, you know, Army's ever chock full of talent, but I do feel like there is somewhat of a talent drop between last year's team and this year's team, and I think that that's been a huge factor in them having a pretty subpar season overall, considering what they had been the last few years.
0: No doubt. Uh, that game, of course, will be on CBS. You can stream it for free on CBSSports.com or on the CBS Sports mobile app. And that's not like a free as in, you know, yeah, we got to come get a bunch of information. It's going to be right there. It's going to be perfectly available for free 99. Okay, we got some uh, some assistant movement in terms of the coaching search this is where uh, Barton Simmons told you the things get really interesting between Chad Morris, now the offensive coordinator at Auburn or Matt Luke, now the offensive line and associate head coach at Georgia, which of those two hires moves you more uh, Barton? In a way it's Matt Luke. I
2: think, I want to give credit to Kirby Smart here because that was a pretty critical um, and and substantive loss uh, when Sam Pittman left to go to, to Arkansas. And, and as much as anything, I mean, uh, recruiting is a big reason for that. And Sam Pittman has really been a, a a driver for Georgia's success recruiting because of how he's been able to bring in these huge, talented offensive linemen and. He has a bunch of these huge, talented offensive linemen in this class, and if Sam Pittman goes to Arkansas, uh, gets that gig, and Kirby Smart has no answers before the early signing period for these huge, talented offensive linemen, there might be a temptation for them to, you know, go check out Fayetteville or, or get get, you know, influenced by one of these other elite programs that are chasing them. But for him to sew up Matt Luke as quickly as he did, I mean, that's the key—the timing of it is, is just. I mean, that was that was moving quick because Sam Pittman wasn't even. I mean, he wasn't the lead candidate for that Arkansas job until the very end. I mean, sure he was mentioned, and he wanted it. So Kirby Smart I, I, I was forced to uh, think about this, uh, but but clearly he had a really strong plan in place that he executed quickly to get Matt Luke in the fold, and I, I think that I mean, Matt Luke is, a, I think, a good offensive line coach, and well-liked at Ole Miss, and I think, uh, from a recruiting standpoint at least, I think that, that that's a, a pretty pretty good and effective Band-Aid. Um, ultimately, at Auburn, it's like, hey, Chad Morris, former high-profile coordinator, two-time head coach, and yet it's still Gus Malzahn's offense.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, maybe maybe Matt Luke could talk to Kirby about the wonders that having a more open kind of offense did for him, <laughs> and maybe could do for <laughs> Georgia going forward. But I, yeah, I think that. Chad Morris is the you know the sexier move because it's Chad Morris because he's the former head coach because of what he was able to do at Clemson. But like Barton just said, I feel like no matter who Auburn's offensive coordinator is, I always feel like it's going to be Gus Malzahn's offense, and at the end of the day, it's going to be Gus Malzahn who's got Chad Morris doing what he wants him to do. So I think that the Luke hire is a good thing for Georgia and maybe keeping that pipeline going with what they've been able to do on their offensive line. But like I said, I just, I kind of think georgia has got other moves that it needs to make that could be more important for it going forward.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Whoever the Auburn offensive coordinator is, it's going to be Gus Malzahn's offense. But I do think that it was a little bit of, uh, you know, with the, the hire being made, Dillingham leaves Auburn to go be with Mike Norvell at Florida State. And, uh, you know, Auburn's got Gus Malzahn and Chad Morris have a previous relationship. And Chad Morris doesn't have a job. He's offensive-minded, former high-profile offensive coordinator. All of a sudden, Gus Malzahn uh, has an open offensive coordinator position. I mean, I'm, I'm just totally... Uh, j- just totally making reaches that I shouldn't make right now. But don't. What What do you think that first call or text was like between these two? I mean, is it isn't that where like uh, you you're single now and she's single <laughs> now too? Right, like it's like like all the all the sudden. Let's just see where this takes. Yes, yes. I don't I don't have any specific confidence. I do not believe that Chad Morris is a like a a great plus value add in a way that it changes what my expectations are for Bo Nix in twenty twenty or moving forward. I just think that with those two dudes, that when all of a sudden Gus needed and Chad Morris was available. They just kind of looked at each other. It was the end of the night and they were like, well, you know what? Let's just see what happens.
2: You're saying there might've been a couple of, uh, of late nights, uh, text messages between these two, uh, over the last few years. And just, you know, one of them couldn't, couldn't answer, uh, when the other one texted and now all of a sudden they can freely text and talk. Yeah. And, uh, you know this thing just works out it just just know, happens
0: I, to work out you know and, and you know we'll we'll see what uh what i think auburn's offense probably depends way more on gus Malzon and bo nicks than it does on chad morris but these are just a, a couple old lovebirds that are single and get back together
1: <laughs> i hope it works out
0: for them i hope it works out for them
2: uh I wonder if I mean you know, it'll be interesting to see I still think Chandler Morris, Chad Morris's son who was committed to Arkansas, I still think he probably ends up at Oklahoma. Um but hey, maybe that's uh maybe that's an inroad to get Chandler Morris to come down to Auburn as well. So he's a recruit
0: right now, right?
2: He's a yeah, he's a twenty twenty quarterback.
0: See I, when when the Jordan Love might leave or go to the NFL yeah, draft, that? and if he leaves, he might go to Oklahoma, I, I just held my hands up and I'm like, are we forgetting about Spencer
2: Rattler? I mean, that if, if, if Oklahoma pursues Jordan Love, uh, that is, I think, an interesting statement as to its confidence level in Spencer Rattler. Uh, who is their true freshman quarterback the shirt this year, who was the number one quarterback in the country according to 24-7 sports in 2019. And I, I wonder if that's just – like that is, that is a little bit of a statement as to the, the way Oklahoma handles things moving forward. It's like it's almost as if, look, high school kids, you can come to our place and – we're going to recruit you, and we we develop and produce tremendous quarterback talent. But really what we're doing here is we're going to go find the best free agent every year. And so if you can beat out the best free agent in the country, good luck. But, like, that seems like that would be a little bit tough to explain away to recruits if you're going four straight transfer quarterbacks and you haven't had a, a, a starter you've recruited out of high school for, like, what? up six or seven years that's insane mm-hmm.
1: yeah I, I i don't know I, I i it's weird because it's it's like a whole new market now with it where it's we can't really know for sure how it's going to work because like what you were just saying it's like if based on what we've seen in the past that would be probably kind of you know not great but maybe with the way that the transfer portal is now with all these transfers happening maybe it won't be that big of a deal. I just, I, I would, I'd still prefer at this point to develop my own guy instead of going and getting somebody else every single year. But at the same time, it's worked pretty well for him. So I don't know.
2: Uh, well, I mean, uh, go I'd, ahead. I'd, I'd be interested I mean, Jordan. Uh, that's legit. If he's really going to be a, a, a grad transfer potentially and it. And Hey, I'm not, not that I doubt it. I mean, it makes total sense for him, especially with a little bit of a regression year with this new staff. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma is – but look, there's other tremendous options for him. I mean, I'm looking at LSU where they've got Miles Brennan, but I'm much less confident in Miles Brennan being the the future of LSU than I am. Like, the drop-off to me is steeper between Joe Burrow and Miles Brennan at LSU than it is between Jalen Hurts and Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma. Like, if you're – if you can have sort of your pick of schools that need a grad transfer – and you're Jordan Love, Whew, I don't know, man. Those wide receivers at LSU would be pretty tempting to go throw to.
1: And what's kind of weird is, wasn't like Houston mentioned as a possible destination for Love as yeah, well? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Derek King, you know, they, they redshirt King with the idea of playing him next year, but now they might be in the market for Jordan Love? What the f- – <laughs> what's that about?
0: I don't think Derek King's playing at Houston in 2020.
2: Neither do I. Yeah, that – no, I know, but that that expo- exposes this whole like, you know, ridiculous talking point that like he just that he had every intention of coming back to Oklahoma, to, to Houston um, when all of us basically knew that this was a toy for him to go seek greener pastures.
0: Mm. College football bowl season is upon us, and we have a new way for you to up the action in our bowl challenge. It's your free chance to compete. All postseason for $5,000. All you need to do is pick the games against the spread and you could walk away with a big five grand in cash. You can even get your friends, family, and coworkers involved too by adding a buddy group with its own private scores and standings. So visit cbssports.com bowl. That's cbssports.com bowl. Or download the CBS Sports app and join the action to get your chance to win $5,000. Speaking of those dollars, coming up on the other side, Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri and his plan to lead the Tigers to Sunbelt Championships. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure, What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Uh, speaking of mixing up some uh, some schools, did uh, did y'all get to hear from uh, Eli Drinkwitz at his Missouri press conference?
2: No, <laughs> we must point our passion in the right way, and we're going to unify our purpose. Our purpose is to win. Make no mistake about it. But it's to win the right way, and our goal, our stated goal, is going to be. To win the Sunbelt Belt, uh, sorry, to win the FCC East, <laughs> a bowl game, with class integrity and academic excellence. And Jim's exactly right. I just did.
1: Now, to be fair, Eli has been in the Sun Belt for a very long time.
0: <laughs> so amazing. My man, my man, printed out his last year's term paper, changed <laughs> the date and the class, and turned it in.
2: He was literally looking out at the paper when he said that.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: like, I, like, I'm Eli
0: Trinkwitz. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so it, we were talking about Chad Morris and Gus Malzahn. I was thinking that the, like... Arkansas high school visor gang is rolling a little bit too deep right now, especially now that Eli Drinkwitz (laughs) is here because Missouri has even embraced the visor as part of his branding because as part of the like tease to the press conference before the announcement was official, 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 when everyone knew it, the Missouri football Twitter account, the real one, not the fake one tweeted out just a picture of a Missouri visor. Are we just, are we going to let coach drink come in here and just be the visor
1: Listen, back in my day, there was only one visor, and I still only recognize one visor.
2: Is that OBC? Steve Spurrier. Yeah, Spurrier, yeah. 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 head ball coach. Would uh, yeah, I mean Drinkwitz. I don't know. What do you guys think about this hire? Uh,
1: I, 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 it has nothing to do with Drinkwitz. I think that if you, you know, obviously he's been a name that you've heard from other coaches and just in circles of a guy that a lot of coaches respect and think is very smart. And I think that in his three years as offensive coordinator, he did a very good job with that NC state offense. And I think we saw, you know, a decline without him there. It's just, he's only been at app state for one year and yeah, he had a ton of success, but I don't really give him the credit for that success. So I think if I'm Mizzou and I'm making this higher and then to give him 4 million a year, it's like, I, I don't know what he's done. And I feel like you're you're putting yourself at risk for a very unproven commodity at this point that could easily end up blowing up in your face. And now maybe it works. It's just, if it doesn't work, you're on the hook for a lot of money and that could really hinder what you can do with your next search if, it, if you need to have one.
2: You know, I'm not, I don't like pride myself on being a great negotiator. Like I'm typically the type of person that when, I'm in the midst of a negotiation. I'm, I'm kind of just like, yeah, you know what, man? You Yeah. I don't, uh, you deserve it. Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll let you have a little more or whatever the case may be. But I, even speaking as a self-professed poor negotiator, I, I, I don't understand how these, once again, like we've already been knocking athletic directors already, I think this week, but once again, how, how does Eli Drinkwitz get four million? Like I don't know. Th- there's wh- why can't you say I'll give you know you can come here for three, and Eli Drinkwitz says, "Well, no," and I don't maybe he's a CAA guy, maybe he's me Sex, maybe the Sexton's saying this. I, I don't know, but if the Sexton then say no, it's four, or you're not getting Drinkwitz. I I think like there's there's other coaches out there that you can get for two that would come to Missouri and coach in the sec. I think that are good coaches, maybe not two, but three. I just, it's just really surprising to me that there isn't more leverage that some of these ADs are able to exercise. Like the buyouts that, that are negotiated, the, the, the re-ups that we see from, from coaches like Dave Doran at NC state, for example, like, I just don't get it, man. Like maybe I'm missing some of the back-end uh politics of it all that that would really sort of illuminate this for me if I if I saw it firsthand, but it sure seems like some of these athletic directors are getting gamed.
0: In other years, I think we might have more of an argument, but I think this is a supply and demand issue. I think that too many Power 5 coaches moved on Uh, Too many power five uh, schools moved on their coaches without having uh, for sure locked in candidates that were going to be willing to leave their current job to come. I just don't, I think that when we, you know, there were some, there was some reporting that indicated the pool of candidates was really shallow and nothing is better for an agent and a head coach than to realize that, you are, um, you. You're the. You're the. Pre- you're the prettiest thing at the bar. I mean, Eli Drinkwitz, because of his Arkansas high school ties. We'll. I don't know how much interest there actually was there, but they even thought that uh, Missouri and Arkansas were uh, neg- like bidding against each other. For Eli Drinkwitz, someone who had been a, a head coach for one year and was currently making seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in base salary a year, and that he's thirty
2: six years old,
0: and he's thirty six years old. I guess it it was uh, it was an issue of there there clearly was not a long list, and look. The Sam Pittman hire, we loved. We spent a lot of time celebrating. Yes, sir. We did a lot of time celebrating it here, and we talked about the entertainment factor of Sam Pittman and Lane Kiffin, but when we put together like a mid-season wish list of coaches that might be on the move, and it was including like a James Franklin or an Urban Meyer, uh, no, we've, we've gotten all the way down to where it's – Lane Kiffin, Sam Pittman, and Eli Drinkwitz. Those are the power five hires. And the price was probably going to be the same for uh, a name with more respect or, ex- not respect, excuse me, a name with more experience or at least more uh, on paper, a resume that might be more impressive. It was always going to be $4 million. SEC has just raised the bar. That's just where it is. And that's the problem. Or not the problem, but that's the issue, is that when a bunch of people did not make themselves available for that four million dollar job it was going to be going to someone that in another year at another school probably would have taken two five
1: regardless of salary here's a question for you two if you're a Missouri fan who are you more happier who, who are you more confident with Eli Drinkwitz or Dave Aranda Drink mm. I think
2: I'm I think i would be more confident with, with Eli Drinkwitz
0: hmm. Hmm. Chip
2: uh, but I mean that's uh, that's a little bit option three old, like <laughs> I, I think I think that's a little bit of the upside play, I guess, like the gamble, especially and especially with it being Missouri, a program that just got rid of Barry Odom that was anxious to move in a offensive offensive direction, yeah mm-hmm. uh, and so like because i. I, I 'Cause I wanna reiterate or, or circle back and 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 say like all that said about how it feels like that's of strange market value for, for Eli Drinkwitz, this could be like I, I still think this could be a great hire. Like it, it could be. Like because he is very highly regarded, very well respected, and has been very successful very quickly. It's just that's a that's a big four million dollar bet. On a guy who's only got one year of coaching experience, I'm just surprised that he 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 demanded that sort of uh, market value. So, and I and I have I just I've got some questions about Dave Aranda's ability to be like a head coach recruiter in the SEC. Maybe that's not fair, but that that is a I think that is a that would be my concern.
0: Hey guys, do you know what he is? Eli Drinkwitz is a moneyline sprinkle. He
2: is a money line sprinkle. He's drink <laughs> exactly the
0: he is. drink the sprink, baby.
2: The <laughs> moneyline
1: drinkle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. They were Missouri was out there and they were looking at uh at everything they had and all their different options, and they're like, you know what? Let's just let's just go for it. Let's just drop it. Let's sprinkle it on Drinkwitz. If it's the Kansas State plus eleven hundred, if it's a Temple plus two hundred, we'll find it.
2: It's like a plus three fifty, you know, good value. You get you get a really nice return, but you're not, you know, you're not totally. Or it's not totally a wing and a prayer. And, and to Dr- be fair,
1: to be fair, you know, you're in the SEC East now. You got to take some risks if you're gonna surpass Florida and Georgia. You are going to have to hit home run.
0: Right. Um so Sunbelt Championships or SEC East Championships uh Eli Drinkwitz will be trying to uh to get it done. Uh we have turned in our CBS Sports All-America ballots. Uh, I have not the full teams. You can go check out the full teams at cbsports.com. I happen to know the unanimous picked so far so names that we all agree on Joe Burrow Jamar Chase uh, Chase Young and Chuba Hubbard there are a few other unanimous ones I was not told those but is there are there any names that you want to make sure or that you would hope do make it to the final ballot names that you would campaign for uh,
1: looking at my ballot I mean I, I would hope that jonathan taylor makes it i would hope that travis etienne make it because i think that if you just like if you're filling out just based off the numbers this year maybe those two don't finish in your top four but i think that they probably are two of the four best running backs in the country receiver wise i hope michael Pittman makes it he was on my ballot i don't know if he's going to it's a very deep year for receivers so some people are going to be getting left off other than that uh i hope calvin throckmorton gets on because there's a lot of panay Sewell attention to that Oregon offensive line. I think Throckmorton gets overlooked a lot, so I, I hope he makes it.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I don't have. Uh, I'm trying. To, I, I don't have my ballot in front of me. But I mean, I think most of the names that uh, that you mentioned were the, were the names that I, you know, felt like deserved it. Did, did you mention Isaiah Simmons? No, uh, no, but... I,
0: I, Isaiah Simmons was my LB one.
2: Yeah. I think he was my LB one too. That was a, that's, I mean, that's a little out of sight, out of mind. I think that's, that's, that's Dabo's talking point of, you know, all these, all these guys are getting the shaft on the all American teams and in the, in the award season. That's uh that adds fuel to that because Isaiah Simmons, I think is probably the best linebacker in America especially considering like the unique ways they use him and sort of the, we- the way Brent Venables has weaponized him. Uh so Isaiah Simmons if he doesn't make the list on a, as a first teamer that's I think that is a uh that's a mistake.
0: I am strong 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 Isaiah Simmons. Uh, I'm also curious just to see how Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson end up splitting up votes or where they end up falling. It's also a deep defensive I don't line. I I had
2: Marlon Davidson on my ballot. Mm. And that's not a, I mean, I could have certainly and I thought about him, but that was, you know, like, do you leave off like AJ Epinesa, for example? Right. Um, you know, you could make a case Marlon Davidson should go on there over AJ Epinesa, but I, I had Epinesa on there. Um so there's the D-, D line was a was a tricky one.
1: Mm-hmm. There's also yeah, I didn't have him on mine either.
0: Uh you've got Robertson from Louisiana Tech. the a cornerback I would like to see on there. Jeff Acuda. I didn't
2: I didn't put him on there, but I, I I love that dude.
1: Yeah, he's in my CB4.
0: It's a CB4. Shout out Chris Rock. Um <laughs> it, it's it was tough and I did have Throckmorton as my OL6, but I feel like that's not going to get him on the team.
1: No, I had him at five, but I just yeah. There were four guys I thought were better than him, but it's just I feel like when when people talk about that Oregon line that everybody's talking about Penesul, 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 I'm like, no, this dude's
0: pretty good too, man. Yeah, Shane Lemieux's not bad either. No. Yeah, whole bunch of good players. All right. You can follow him on, oh, go check out the CBS Sports All America team on cbsports.com. It will be up uh, hopefully by the time this arrives on your mobile device. You can follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Tom Fernell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
2: Thank you.